0: Yeah, welcome to Red River Podcast uh, episode 124. Uh, today, you know, we don't really get a chance to talk uh, like horror, you know, a lot like specifically about certain things. We did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode on the new movie. Uh, maybe Halloween Kills was like the, la- the like the last thing. So. Those are the last
1: two. Yeah, we we try to co- we cover so many different things. It's nice when we get a horror centric.
0: Yes, yes, for sure. And today, um, you know, I, I have uh, Steve. Uh, Steve, uh, I mean, you still go under Uncle Creepy, right? That's how I know you. Yeah, man, it's uh its the name that just keeps on giving. Um. <laughs> okay.
2: It,
1: yeah, uh, I wanted it, to know the origin story. To well,
0: that. I, I was going to say Ian okay. Mc, Ian McCall, Ian McCall didn't take that from you. Oh, dude, you know it's—it's it's really fucking
2: funny. Um, well, I, I wish I had an exciting origin story for you, but actually you know, I grew up in the 70s. And one of my favorite magazines in the 70s was a magazine called Creepy. And Uncle Creepy was like, it's Crypt Keeper. So I was a huge fan. It was a, a thing I used to read in my very, very formative years. And when it came time that I started writing, I, I chose the name Uncle Creepy as sort of an homage. And had I have known the connotations that would have come along with it a few years, ago, I <laughs> might've been a little bit more selective. <laughs> yes. but, um, you, you know what? It, it, it's brought me a lot of joy it, it, even it's funny. You mentioned Ian uh, Ian's wife, whom I don't know. I, I do not know Ian McCall. I he, not-
0: He's he's a UFC fighter for oh, I,
2: I know who he is now. But, um, you know, his wife used to tweet me thinking I was her husband. And I'm like, lady. <laughs> I'm not your husband that's funny I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you and then she's like well you should give the name up and I'm like well fuck you
0: yeah fuck right? you yeah so
2: now I mean at this point I own the name I had a trademark I had it everything which was nice when Dark Horse wanted to reprint the comic hi how you doing um but <laughs> you know it was uh I was just like only I could pick a name out of nowhere from an obscure comic book and get into a fucking online beef with an MMA fighter. Yes. You know, it's like, what are the odds? It's like, this is the story of my fucking life, man.
0: In in, 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 uh, in your defense, he's about a buck 25. I I think, you know, I, I think you got him. I think you got I'm, him. I'm really not concerned. <laughs> I think, I think, I think you got him. I actually know between the three of us, I think we could take him. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I got it covered, man um five. i could twirl them like a baton it's fine i like so so you know before um you know i was going to mention like scandado and all that other stuff but i love that you mentioned um the magazine uh the 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 comic right because it's 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 an anthology and we love anthologies and right now you're in like you just produced something with um spider one which is rob zombie's brother and it's an anthology yeah you know it's um it's actually my fuck fourth
2: anthology. Okay. One. Um, it's funny, I, I when I started doing, when I was doing Dread Central and Dread Central got really at, at the height of its popularity, um, you know, I was getting sent all of these short films and these short films, some of them were fantastic. And the problem with the short film is it kind of lives and dies online. You know, it does its festival run. And then filmmaker puts it up and people have to like stumble across it, you know, usually by happenstance to see this cool ass little movie. So what we had done years ago was we we collected a bunch of short films. We wrote a really loose wraparound story and released it as something called uh, Zombie World, which was a, a pretty well received thing. And then we did a sequel to it. Uh, which was Monsterland, which was a lot of fun. And then everyone started doing that. So I'm like, all right, I think I'm kind of done with this whole collecting short films thing. And then uh, I'm working currently on a new one that was spawned by that app Clubhouse. A bunch of filmmakers got together and uh, a guy named Sebastian Bazile, he's a wonderful producer. He uh, actually is making some dreams come true for some people. So he, myself, Alex Neuer, who did Sound of Violence, uh, Josh Stolberg, who wrote a lot of the soft, Yeah, film, yeah. Uh, Judd Shepard, who did Host, uh, Dave McErnini, who's one of the premier uh, writing agents in LA, myself. We're, we're working on this thing called, uh, I, I don't know if we announced the title yet, but it's going to be a, a pretty cool anthology that, uh, you know, it it came together in the most magical of ways because when I created Dread Central, you know, the reason why Dread Central had an identity, I don't know what its identity is now, whether it's better or not without me, that's for the fans to decide. But when I was the one on the watch, uh, my main priority was to make sure the indie filmmaker got as much spotlight as the studio filmmaker. And to... You know, be away from Dread Central. I ain't gonna lie, I missed that. Mm. And when this opportunity came by to work with Seb and Jed and Alex and Dave and, and Josh, I, I jumped at it. I'm like, all right, well, this is just a logical extension of helping young filmmakers, and I'm all about that. And you know, while that was happening, I, I've been friends with Spider uh, for a long time, really, really talented musician you know, Power Man 5,000. Yep. Uh, and he's like, hey, I got this thing. Will you take a look at it? And I'm like, sure, man. You know, I'll watch fucking anything. You know, I don't care. I'll, give me some shit. I'll watch it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, this is really good. And then we started talking about what he wanted to do with it and then what it was going to be. And then he, we, he ended up turning it into a, a feature length film. So I was like, dude, if you're going to go 45 minutes, you might as well go 80, you know, and, and do a feature. And that, that was the thing. And it took a little while to get uh, the right people behind it. But RLJ Entertainment picked it up and it's premiering on Shutter on August 2nd, which is exciting. And I'm, really happy for Spider and especially Chrissy Fox, his production partner who uh, stars and edits and scores. I mean, you want to talk about a talent to keep your eye on, man. Chrissy Fox, holy shit. This this lady can do it all. And it's amazing to see. And Spider, I think people are going to be really, really surprised when they see what a tremendous eye for the camera he has and his storytelling abilities and his writing is just really really cerebral and top-notch i I liken it to kind of i would say night gallery like around that rod serling kind of vibe i mean basically allegoria is about tortured artists you know and every artist whether you're a pop or you're a fucking writer or you're a filmmaker we all have our demons man
0: holy shit
2: Allegoria explores what happens when those demons go a little bit too far. And it was just a really good idea. I hadn't seen anything like it in years. I think people are going to be, I mean, listen, the, the first thing everyone's going to do is, go, oh, well, let's compare it to Rob Zombie's movies. And it couldn't be more different. And I think that's one of its strongest points because, you know, there's only one Rob Zombie. You know, he makes his movies. When you see a Rob Zombie movie, you know you're watching a Rob Zombie movie. There's no Absolutely. question you're watching a Rob Zombie movie. And Spider has his own flavor. And he's worked with so many... I mean, Scout Taylor Comptons in it. The cast is great. The acting is great. Just won an award for Best Special Effects.
0: I, I just love that, Um, you know, as, like, a musician. And I think, like me, and like, Brian was a musician. But, like, we, we were all... Like, like, like you said, tortured artists, like it's it's so relatable, basically, like, you know, you like I I can't like I read the plot now. I was just thinking like, man, what a really cool idea. So like and the fact that like Shutter exists, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme of, of like horror, like I like I, I hate when people ask me, they're like, is it worth the five bucks or whatever the fuck they charge? I was like, is yo, are you fucking, fucking kidding me? fucking dollars. Yeah. Dude. I spend
2: $5 walking down the street. I don't even know where it goes. Yes. You the price yeah. of
0: two cups of coffee. Not have. even one. <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where you're yeah. living. It's one. Yeah. You have gas station, son.
1: gas station.
0: Yeah, you, you go to coffee houses
2: that actually serve coffee, I guess. Because <laughs> the ones I go to. Yeah. $25
0: for something uh, I can't
2: even pronounce. So, I mean, yeah. I don't it's, know. it's-
0: it's so worth it I, it's just like you know for for people like us because we're all kind of like the same age yeah. um we're all basically like you know like i'm in my mid-40s and you guys are like a little bit ahead of me but Who like said that was okay first of all i mean what? it's a meeting this whole getting
2: older thing uh, yeah <laughs> i don't get it man
0: And get the memo yeah, yeah. i'm listen that, um...
2: <laughs> we're just gen x we got the memo but didn't give a fuck we're like that's
0: yeah. I'm I'm fucking finishing up this, uh, you know, uh, this podcast to then go play a show in Queen. So it's like I'm still kind of doing everything I, I've been doing since I was 20. Um, yeah. But
2: yeah, me too. Yes.
0: <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's just like so. Growing up like I mean the video store Was so awesome you know and now like you have Shudder and it's like there, there's so many Cool things on Shudder like I just Recently watched I know you just recently watched Firestarters so we could talk about that But I just recently watched the sadness And it's like man I waited for that Movie to come out forever um, I, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch Tonight I'm gonna watch it actually I mean, There's a
2: There's a quote on the cover Like the best zombie movie ever And that's a big boast You know so I'm kind of, I'm yeah. curious, but that, that boast alone kind of turns me off a little bit.
0: It turns. I kind of take
1: Romero stuff. Whenever I hear that, I take, I put it on this like upper shelf. That's like not taught. Nothing's touching this. And now after Romero, like, yes. Yeah. A R after Romero, then I'll judge like, what's the best of all time. <laughs> like the dead, that film. I love the, uh, the, Oh, the dead Africa. was good. There's certain the ones that are fantastic, but Romero is just, before, and I know you're a huge Romero fan, obviously. I was
2: though. in his last zombie movie, man. I was a feature Yeah.
0: Movie,
2: so I yes. got to chow down. That was amazing.
0: <laughs> That's amazing, too, because uh, I know it was like you and Mike Felsha, right? hmm Yeah. And the uh, best
2: part about it is now I dropped all that weight so I could say all that fat was special effects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, trying to, I'm trying to catch up to you. I'm trying to catch up, trying to drop not something. not easy, man. It's a
2: daily struggle. Trust me.
0: It, you know, it, I, yeah, it is. It's just like, I like food and the older I get, like, it's like, you know what it is? It's the only vice I have left. I've had the same girlfriend for 10 years. I like, my life is just pretty much like, you know, like pretty regimented. And the only thing, like, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. Like, I'm just like, I like food then. I guess that's all I have left. It's, it's funny
2: because when I was growing up, my dad was a raging alcoholic prick. You know, he used to kick my ass every fucking day of his life. He was an abusive bastard. And I don't, people always assume that I I drink or I smoke pot or I do, but I don't do anything. I'm as straight edge as straight edge gets. And, but I I also don't mind being around it. You know, it doesn't bother me. I don't feel tempted by it.
0: Me neither.
2: But what I didn't realize is my addiction became food, you know? And it is an addiction. And the problem with it is, you know, you need to eat. It, it's, you can't, I mean, you don't need to smoke pot. Well, sometimes you do, but <laughs> you don't need a shot. I mean, sometimes you do, yeah. but you, you need to eat, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I did everything I could to avoid finding out how much of that addictive gene of my dad's that I had. And I didn't realize that I was building a new addiction, you know, and thankfully it, it, I decided to lose 160 pounds at 45 wow. years ago. It was wow. really easy. Totally yeah. easy at 45. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> really That's though. Awesome. Like, I mean, like a buck 65 is like a, a person. Another person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's So just, <laughs> out of, just out of curiosity, like how the fuck did you ah. do that?
2: All right, here you go. There's the Here's the turnkey secret. I tried every fucking diet you can imagine.
0: Okay. <laughs> None of that
2: shit worked, dude. None of it. None of you eat keto meat, whatever the fuck. Listen, I'm Italian. You tell me I can't eat pizza, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just out. I, I, I've lost interest in whatever the fuck you have to say. So, you know, I was 300... And God, 47 pounds. And I was getting tired going from the couch to the bathroom. Like, if we didn't park close to wherever we had to go, I was pissed off that I had to walk. It was scary fat, dude. Scary, obese, fucking fat. And I just realized I was killing myself. And there's a lot more stuff I want to do. Yeah. So, What I did was, is without a trainer, without a doctor, without anybody telling me what to do, without doing any research, I got myself a Fitbit, which I still wear. um, And I downloaded this app called My Fitness Pal. And I said how much weight I wanted to lose. And it gave me an allotment of calories of uh, what I would have, how many calories I could have per day. And how long it would take me to lose that, but it didn't really say what kind of calories I could eat. Right. It didn't say what those calories had to be. So I said, well, fuck it. I'm going to eat Chinese food and pizza. Right. And literally I fucking ate Panda Express every day for lunch for about two and a half years. I stayed I was allotted 2,200 calories per day. I stayed at around 1,500. Wow. And I just started walking and I walked 10 miles a day. And, you know, it's between eating so little, you know, and walking so much. By the time I was done walking, I burned off whatever I ate. And I literally pretty much ate whatever the fuck I wanted for dinner. And the weight just came off. It was just you got a
1: book right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if
1: you
2: tell people,
1: you know, but you listen, can lose a buck sixty five eating <laughs> Panda Express, you good. You're gonna make a million.
2: Let me explain one thing to you, okay? I'm the guy who chose a screen name and got into a fight with an MMA character.
0: Yeah. I write a
2: diet book. Somebody's gonna croak. I'm getting sued. So True. I don't recommend anybody do what I did. My recommendation is find what works for you. Right. Do it you know sure and that was just something that worked for me and it was bad dude it was like a total detox you know when the first couple of weeks i was miserable and yeah i I gained back a few pounds and now i'm dieting hardcore again and again the past week it's fucking miserable because you're
0: right it it does like after like two weeks like you start to, to feel like better and i forget that because it's like you know, it's like you start over and then it's like sometimes it's so discouraging because, it's you know, like the saying is like throwing a chair off the you Titanic.
2: The coolest shit in the world was, though, like as I started dropping weight, I started noticing I had extra parts I'd never seen before. Like like this fucking thing here, this thing yeah. here, whatever the fuck that is, this thing. Yeah. I'd never seen that shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, look at that. And then my dick. Let me tell you about my dick. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Like, it was like hello, old friend. And how yeah. you know? I know. It's like all right, it's, all right it's spring again. Let, let's go. Let's yeah. go do it. But um, yeah. So uh, you know Yeah, I didn't
2: think the conversation you gonna go here, did
0: you? That's well,
2: conversation with me goes
0: spring. We
1: cover all bases.
0: Bro. Yeah, we I tell you we're <laughs> we're a mixed bag. We we just finished we just wrapped up our Weezer episode, so we're 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 good to <laughs> to, to go wherever and, we yeah, want. So a
2: lot of controversy between those two albums.
0: Uh, are you a fan of those two albums? I'm not a huge Weezer fan, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do that with any two records. Like, what two records would you match up? Like, like, let's say, like... Uh, From the same band? Yeah. Uh, ten and Verses. Mm. Oh. oh, that's I great. So, I have that in my notes, because I was going to ask you. Because I, I went through your playlist. Mm. I went through your playlist. So, I'm going to ask you real quick. Never mind or in utero
2: oh man wow i gotta go i gotta go in utero
0: okay good Me i gotta too. go in utero because
2: it, it's just it's a harder edge it's a little it's a little more avant-garde I, I really like in utero but i also really like that song um you know you're right that came out after kurt died i yep. love it. Song. That is a good song yeah. it's
0: it's what it is it's production like the production on nevermind is so clean but in utero i feel like was the band that they wanted to be when right. bleach came out um so versus or 10
2: oh fuck
0: i gotta go 10 i'm going versus i agree even yeah. though i
2: got pearl jam lyrics tattooed on my fucking arm from versus uh,
0: okay yeah versus mirror
2: i gather speed for uh, you fucking with me
0: um I- Versus is just like and I just uh, did a revisit of the first three albums, Um, you know, and and I was 13 when when 10 came out. So uh, that was like 91. And it's just, man, big deal. But I feel like, man, when Versus came out, it just kind of blew me away like daughter and like all those songs were just so goddamn good. Um, And what do you think of the um, of 20 of the documentary?
2: I liked it. It's funny. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I love every album they've made because every album they've made has been consistently different and they tried different things musically and I yeah always that about them but it, it's like i loved pearl jam 20 but it, it kind of ignored like three records you know what i mean it's like hi hey, remember remember when like fucking this, this record i forget which ones they were but i was like wow they just kind of glossed over like at least fucking five years <laughs> you know but i guess it, it, i like pj 20 because it has a lot of really crazy footage in it like um eddie and chris like wrestling and him dancing with kirk you know there's a lot of really interesting things you see in there that you would not have seen otherwise
0: i loved it too um and the last one i'm going to ask you because i know like a perfect circle love them right and i love the quote that you posted somewhere because i completely agree you're such an inspiration inspiration for the ways that i will never choose to ever yeah so good you know what's uh, funny? i had that in my
2: signature like like back in the day and on message boards and people always thought i was insulting them they didn't realize it was my signature i'm like are you fucking that dense
0: <laughs> yeah I wasn't sure because t- also like I- I've listened to like some old interviews and I wasn't sure if it was almost like a like a father reference or, or stuff to, you know, that like connected with you as well.
2: Yeah, I, I-, I- anything pretty much a lot of songs remind me and my dad uh, filters take a picture reminds me of my dad. Uh, of-, of course, anything. You know, why go home, even though it's about a, a girl I always relate it to. You know? Yeah, it was just. You know, listen, We, my story's not unique, man. We've all grown up in our own personal dysfunction family circuses, you know? And it's how you react to those negative things and how you choose to face them and portray yourself. I'm thankful for them. I'm glad I got my ass kicked, you know? I wouldn't change a damn thing about my life because it made me who I am and I like me, you know? Uh, I, I've never been one to say that people who have been abused, I get it. It's a mental fucking form of torture, but I, I use that to fuel me, you know, yeah. I use that to, okay, I'm a fuck up, right? That's what you said. You telling me I can't do this. You tell me I'm a wasteful shit, whatever the fuck you want to say. Now I'm going to do it, you know? And I just always internalized all of the abuse in a way to push me in a more positive direction.
0: And uh, so, like, in, it's just, you went from Brooklyn to <laughs> to Los Angeles, right? So it's just oh, no, actually, uh,
2: I went from Brooklyn to Florida
0: first. Oh,
2: and that truly was the land of the dead. And
0: uh... <laughs> all
1: New Yorkers have to go there first.
2: Yeah, like, and
0: Florida, so, they got to yeah. check in there. Great yeah. right place to. For- <laughs> retired totally i hear
2: you in 10 years it's going to be underwater so I guess i ain't retiring there yeah but, um, you know it it just it was cool it gave me a chance to gain some perspective and that's actually when i really started pursuing my career in the film industry is when i got to florida because before that um i was managing pete ross's band five cent hero
0: oh okay yeah
2: you know, and so I did the music industry thing for, and that, Jesus Christ, you think the movie industry's cutthroat, the music industry's 10,000 times worse, but it also really prepped me for dealing with people in the movie business. So I already understood how, to, even though I have no college education, I got a GED, Same. I'm talking to people.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm a, a verbal chameleon. I can fit into any situation. Cause I, I think, and I listen, I'm smart and I try to absorb from everyone I speak to. And uh, the best way to get smart is to shut your fucking mouth and listen. And then when you do say something, it has an impact, you know? And uh, once I got time to get away from the hazards of New York, New York really took a toll on me. Um, one of the main reasons why I left New York was because of 9-11, I was there. Uh, My best friend died in one of the buildings, and that was just way too much for me to handle. And at that time, between the family life that I had and then losing your best friend, I drastically needed a change of scenery. And I went to Florida for a few years. And being that I was finally able to concentrate in one direction, that's when I was able to really start working on Dread Central. And that's when it became writing became more than just a hobby, you know? And then I ended up in, in California for 20 years. You know? And then the pandemic hit and I realized that, hey, everybody's working from home and I could do the same shit I'm doing here, but I could go back home and have pizza while I'm doing it.
0: Yeah. Ah. <laughs> did, so did you miss it? Like, when did you start to like really miss uh, New York then? Like, cause if you, you were never- there for that long. I, I never missed it. Um, you don't.
2: I miss the pizza. <laughs> you know, I miss the bagels. I ain't going to lie. I miss the Chinese food. Um, but New York, I, I'm not in New York right now either. I, I'm in, I'm kind of like right outside of Philadelphia. And uh, I have access to New York, which is nice. Yeah, of course. You know, and. I have access to Philadelphia. So I'm like, I'm in a, a nice little sweet spot for wherever I need to be. And when I got back, it was a huge adjustment. I mean, as big of an adjustment it was from going from New York to Florida it was as big as an adjustment coming from California back east, you know. And it was really difficult at first, but within like a couple of weeks. I started realizing what I love the most about the East coast. And it wasn't just the pizza. It's the fact that California, I mean, I have a lot of good friends out there and I have a lot of acquaintances out there and I have a lot of business partners out there, but a lot of California is populated with people who are only about themselves. Who will smile in your face and stab you right in the back and do anything they can to jump over you. And how you react to that is, again, how it's gonna dictate your standing in life and your position. And coming back here, where people are a lot more straightforward and no bullshit, it felt really good. You know, just wow, I know this person's an asshole. And that's fine. He's an asshole. He already said he proved to me he's an asshole. So now I know exactly how much attention I have to pay to him. Where in California, you got to like dissect like layers of bullshit before you could find out what a person's really like. So coming back here, I, I, I realized what I did miss most was the people. And with everything that I learned out there, I'll be very honest with you. Anyone who's in the entertainment industry, you need to be out in California. You need to put the time in there and do the work and meet the people and play the games, you know? But once you're established and once you're, you have your footing, then you can go do your shit anywhere. But you need that experience out there. You need that FaceTime with people. You need those areas of communication.
0: I was gonna say, I mean, just you went from from there. Um, you know, I, I've never been there, but I we do have a mutual friend that still lives out there and uh, Mexican food. Oh, okay, yeah. Listen, I'm I'm a fan, <laughs> but um, or we have a mutual friend, and he was sending me some dread stuff, um, some movies around the time oh, Rob Deluso. Yeah, yeah, Rob G. That's that's G. that's the homie right there, and mm-hmm. he sent me a movie that I absolutely fucking love to this day. And I wanted to talk to you about it. Harpoon. Oh. oh.
2: <laughs> Harpoon, Harpoon is so flick.
0: good. Awesome. Fun little flick. Yeah.
2: It's a fun little flick. I, I mean, full disclosure, uh, my tenure with Dread Central didn't come to the best end. Okay. And Terrifier was kind of like my swan song. From the company.
0: What a swan song.
2: Hey, if I had to go out, that's the way I'm going out, you know, making a statement. And um, everything they released after that, I had zero to do with. You know, uh, the only two projects I brought to the Dread label were the Kane Hodder documentary. Yes. And Terrifier. And Terrifier, including Rob G. Rob G did not like Terrifier. I know. And and Rob made my job real fucking hard with Terrifier, and I will. Oh, I love Rob though. I gonna, I would never. say Rob, you know what? He's a great guy. He's been through the ringer. Yep, we all have, and he's still punching. So God bless him. But yeah, I'll call him on his bullshit. He did not make my life easy with Terrifier. Nobody did. It it got to the point with that movie where I I literally had to say to the powers that be if this movie doesn't perform like I know it will, I will quit. And you could have my portion of the company. That's how confident. And that Why? was after 18 years of my life working on Dread Central. I believed in Terrifier that much.
1: We, and You, you were right. I mean, it's... It, it's. I remember seeing it and it just... God, it reignited all that 80s slash love that I grew up on. And it just... It looks so gritty. It had this great character. Everyone I know loved it. And even, I would say, part two, which we'll ask you about.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's, it's
1: the most anticipated horror movie I can remember in recent history with my friend. I mean, like, everybody is starving it, for
2: this. You point. know, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much that means to me, personally. Um, in, in regards to the original Terrifier, uh, like I said it was a tooth and nail fight for anyone to pay attention to that me within the company, you know, and I'm the dude spearheading the company supposedly. Right. (laughs) And it was a really interesting thing. And I'm writing a book. I'll get into detail in the book, but um, it, 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 I just knew it was the right movie at the right time with the right character, and there was a lot against it. I mean, when *Terrifier* first came out, Stephen King's it was huge, right? So now you have another killer clown movie, and I'm like, no, this is different. This yeah. is so fucking different. Mm-hmm. And what Damien Leone created was the best eighty style slasher movie without trying to make an eighty style slasher. Yes. Movie. he understood what the formula was but he didn't mimic it he just know his move you
0: know we we had we had him on um like when it came out because like so i i remember like scrolling by all hollows eve and seeing this clown that fucking face that fucking face and i'm just like and i would always scroll by it i didn't really think it. i was like oh this is probably like ginger dead man or whatever the fuck it is and i kept scrolling by it and then I remember seeing the trailer for Terrifier and I was like, man, I'm like, that guy looks fucking familiar. I know it's not the same actor. It's the same character. But Mm -hmm. at that point, when I saw the trailer, I was like, damn, I was like, this movie looks kind of crazy and I'll never forget renting it. I had a fever. it was probably the last time I had a fever and I just sat in my bedroom. My girlfriend was in the room in the other room and I watched it and I was I was (laughs) but I was like. I'm watching this movie and I'm like I keep telling her I was like yo I'm like this fucking movie is really really good because the main character is so off-putting he's so creepy yeah. the he's- scene in that pizzeria with
1: it's <laughs> like unforgettable when you really you see him in the light
0: though, right?
2: yeah. I, I mean just- when, we, when we were taking submissions to put out the first Dread Central movie um, I watched like hundreds of movies and none of them connected with me and you know dread central at that time was my baby this is my child you know if i'm gonna put something that's an offspring of my child out there that shit has to come correct because i care yeah yeah and um i saw terrifier and then i shut it off and I, i sat there for about 10 minutes and then i put it back on And then I watched it again and I shut it off. And about 10 minutes later, I put it on again and I sat through it a third time. And I I said, this is it, this is the one. And, you know, at that point, the foreign rights had been sold and they wanted complete rights to the film. So that was an uphill challenge. And then because of the content of the movie, that was an uphill challenge there was so many uphill challenges, but it was worth fighting every single battle. And when it finally dropped, it became one of their absolute best-selling titles in their entire, in the Epic Pictures catalog, you know? And to me, I was like, I helped do that. Yeah. I'm out later, you know? Right. And I walked away from Dread Central, which is one of the hardest things I've ever done, for a a myriad of reasons which i declined to get into um and it was scary man because like I, i you know what the fuck do i do now i've been doing this for 18 years it's the only thing i know how to do that i'm good at and little by little man it just started happening like i was going to shows and All of a sudden, I started seeing merch. I'm like, where is all this shit coming from? And it wasn't anyone making the shit. It was the fans that were making their own terrifier stuff. And as soon as I started seeing that, and then I started seeing the murals, and then I started seeing the fucking tattoos, and I started seeing everyone. I started hearing everybody buzzing about this. Carrie
0: King? Fucking Carrie King's birthday. I'm like, yo. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, this is, like, I knew right then and there. I was like, this, like, like this is a big deal. And everyone, like, uh, it was so- You know what else is
1: special about it, too? Because all the the, the horror icon characters that we grew up with, the Jasons, the Freddys, whatever, they're still being kicked around, whatever. But later on, introducing, like, an epic character like that that everyone knows the face that you see it carved in pumpkins on Halloween, and you know what I mean?
2: (laughs) It was the ultimate feeling of vindication. Yeah. Right? I mean, the most amazing, it's like, holy shit, I got it right. And that meant more to me than anything. And if it took me 18 years at Dread Central to be able to put out or help or have a hand in putting out a film with a character that the fans universally, fucking globally have embraced, then that was time well spent. And that's what I did that for, you yeah. know,
0: I have no regrets and um, we, we know, did a, we did a screening of it too. Did and you? It, yeah, when when it came out, like we we loved it. Like I just couldn't like I watched it like three times, and like it it, it was still so small that like Damien Leone was like, "Sure, I'll do your stupid podcast." Like yeah. he was like, was like early on. Too. Yeah, it was like, "Oh, somebody gives a shit about this movie," and we're like, "Yo, it's like because it it was so mean spirited, but in 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 the most purest." Like, when you watch a movie like that, you think to yourself, that's a horror movie. There's so many other things, you know, so many other, like, subgenres and things that come out. And it's like, oh, horror comic. Like, Terrifier is a fucking legit slasher movie. No apologies. No, it's funny. It's so unabashedly what it is. And we
2: don't have any preconceived or or misconceptions about it, man. It's not the most compelling of stories, right? I mean... very thin on story yeah but it's fucking memorable yeah you know and it hits and that character david is fucking david howard thornton who plays art the clown yep you know what the funniest thing he is the nicest guy on the
0: so nice he's so nice
2: ridiculous and he can flip that switch and be completely evil within like three seconds yeah and he doesn't have to say a word he does it with his face and his background as a mime is what helped him be able to convey all of this emotion without saying a word. And I, I think what Terrifier, listen, no one knew it was going to be a cult hit. And the pro, everybody's always, I see the term and I've seen the term, horror icon, the newest this, the newest that, thrown around by studios, by this, by that. It never works like that, man. It's not a studio. You can't declare something to yeah. the next thing. It's the fans that fans.
1: it. has got to yep. happen organic, yeah. or it doesn't yeah. stick. Yeah. yeah.
2: The, the studio, the filmmakers, we have nothing to do with that shit other than making the movie. It has to be embraced. And luckily, knock wood, people have really embraced it. And embrace it on a level. I mean, I see little kids dressed up as Art the Clown, (laughs) you know, and then there was the whole misogyny thing that people say about it, you know, because we have that one memorable kill,
0: but it's in there because it's a memorable kill. Yeah. You know, also like, like the guy, like, you know, whenever someone brings that up, I'm thinking like, I feel like he like, didn't he like decapitate the fuck out of like dudes? Like the whole, I'm like, I don't know why you're pinpointing on that one obviously because it was very impressive yeah (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) it was it was very catherine was all about doing that scene she hung there upside down for a long time and you know i see Hundreds of women now dressed up like Art the Clown who don't think it's misogynistic, who just thinks it's a good kill. But that's not to say we didn't have to prove a little something with the sequel when it came to how bad the guys get it. So always temp your expectations. There could be a little bit of a leg squeezing on the male part going on. a few moments.
1: Can you announce anything about when we might be seeing that or is uh, it too...
2: Damien has put it the best. Damien said, expect around Halloween, but if it comes out sooner, be happy. You okay. know? <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's still in post. It's in the final stages of post. So it's almost ready, you know, but even then it's distribution and this and that. So there's still a long way to go, but what's special about it to all of us. And this goes from Damien to Phil Falcone to... David Howard Thornton. Let me just give a shout out to Phil. Because if it wasn't for Phil, Phil Falcone, none of this shit would be happening. Okay? So he's the real hero behind Terrifier, one of the producers. This man is a fucking saint and putting up with us fucking lunatics and, and people like us who are lunatics. And um, it, what's exciting to us is, listen... Plumhouse ain't picking up fucking Terrifier 2 neither is Universal neither is Lionsgate (laughs) no studio with any brains is going to touch this movie okay but the franchise belongs to the fans it's the fans who who made Terrifier popular and it's the fans who we made Terrifier 2 for you know knowing that we have something to really live up to. And with two, we give you more terrifier,
0: you know? Awesome.
2: And, and I,
0: a and lot of it. A whole I, lot of it. Yeah, he said it was like two hours and 15 minutes or something like that. It's oh,
2: wow. <laughs> coming right around there, dude. It's, uh, it's, it's the it, Empire Strikes Back of fucking horror sequels. Yeah,
0: it's like it's like Art Corleone. <laughs> yeah, just, dude, I, I mean, another uh, great
1: thing I want to, because we don't want to keep you forever here, but uh, uh you were involved with the the Never Sleep Again, the uh, yep. the Friday the Night on Elm Street uh, documentary, which is fantastic. I mean, yeah. topped, as a someone who grew up with the genre, it was such a trip for me and so well done. I would love to talk about what was involved in bringing that oh. together. I mean, that must have been a massive undertaking.
2: Oh, my Lord. Uh, several countries, several states, hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of footage. Um, when I did his name was Jason, on um, love, love, love one. the one I, I was interviewed. And if you have the Tuesday two, two disc set, all my good shits on disc two. I got um, it because I wasn't pretty enough for the movie
0: anyway. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't cosmetically pleasing. Uh, <laughs> so look, look at you now, I know, right? Um, now I'm just so sort of hugging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so
2: the original director of that was a guy named dan Farrens and he worked oh with, yeah he worked with my good friend andrew cash who worked with me at tread central and so many people I worked with at Dread Central are now working in the industry. And I can't tell you how proud of that I am. And these are people who are nothing but fans. You know, Now Andrew Cash, edited fucking and directed episodes of Legends of Tomorrow. And everyone's gone on to do such amazing stuff, which is like, what am I doing? Anyway, um, <laughs> it was a little. Uh, <laughs> but we, Dan and I became fast friends and Dan realized I knew my shit. And being that I had such a, a huge foothold in the genre with Dread Central, he asked me to come aboard and work with the team on Never Sleep Again. And of course, I love Nightmare in Elm Street. So I was all in. And that was probably the worst trial by fire project you could ever get into, just because of the absolute scope of it. And You know, we're sitting there with hundreds of hours of interviews, you know? And the the interesting thing about a documentary is a documentary usually doesn't find its narrative until it starts getting edited, you know? And Never Sleep Again's narrative ended up being less Nightmare on Elm Street, although it is the focal point, and more or less the rise and fall of New Line Cinema. That is the heart and soul of that documentary, really and credit to the editor on Never Sleep Again. Tommy Hudson, the editor, is the dude. He's also a writer, he, he, he's, he's an amazing filmmaker in his own right, but Tommy Hudson found the narrative in Never Sleep Again, and if he didn't find that narrative, I, I really have to doubt that it would have ever come out as good as it did, and it's won every conceivable award just short of the majors that I could think of, And we're so blessed to have worked on that, but it also put us in a really precarious situation, and that situation was... now everybody wanted us to do a documentary for them. And that was just such an exhausting experience, and we set the bar as high as it could have possibly went, you know? And Andrew Cash, the co-director, ended up in the hospital. He was so exhausted by the time it was finally finished. And you know, it came out at four fucking hours. And we're like, no one's ever gonna watch this, you know. We figured so we we did it in segments. It was like, here's an hour about the first one, here's an hour about the second one. We never thought anybody would watch it in one sitting, but people have, and I think that's the most amazing. Listen, you know, I've been involved in some crazy ass shit that I don't know how I got involved in. Never sleep again terrifier dread central all these cornerstone things that that have become so well respected and well embraced and well loved and nobody knows how lucky i am more than you you know to have been able to attach my name or put my stamp on anything you know listen dude it, it sounds ludicrous but we're all put here to try to do something you know, to let people know we were here. And luckily between Survival of the Dead, you know, my mentorship from Sid Haig and fucking George Romero, uh, all the documentary work, all the film work, people are going to know I'm here when I'm dead. And I I dig
0: that because I'll come back and fucking haunt all of you. But I I think it's just like, you know, when you grow up the way we did, like, I know I know what a big deal Night of the Living Dead was for you, you know, like that whole story, like you waking up your parents and all that other shit was so funny. But it just like I think when you grow up with something that you give such a fuck about, you're so passionate about you, you just it's almost like you're like you're I don't know you're just you involve yourself some way because there's no other way it's just the life that 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 you live that brings you towards these things you know it's like it's like if you don't play in a band uh you'll create a zine or you know you'll direct videos or stuff like that you know it's just like that that thing where you're in the right
1: subgenre of film too because you know as a horror fan you know how once we latch on and love something we're down for life like there's no you know, you know there are certain characters. <laughs> you don't find like romantic comedy conventions or uh, like <laughs> you know I, what I mean?
2: Like and I mean you hear a lot from a lot of different sources and places how their fans are the best, man. Let me tell you something. Horror fans, we breathe this shit it's in our blood it's who we are this ain't like a little fad this isn't some strange lifestyle choice we chose out of nowhere it becomes who we are and I I think it's because we're horror fans are also some of the most empathetic people you could ever meet you know we're so misrepresented by people who think we're lunatics or crazy people or it's We're doctors, we're lawyers, we're the most empathetic people in the world. And I think that has a lot to do with knowing that there's a lot of darkness in this world. And at least in horror movies, you have the option of sometimes seeing the good guy win. And if the good guy doesn't win, he's going to get fucked up memorably.
0: And hey, that's great too, right? That's great too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, all all they know is that. I went to the movie theaters to see Jason go to space. So, I mean, if that's not you know, if that's not commitment (laughs) to to to. to I love that fucking movie. I don't care what anyone says. I will go to bat for Jason Goes to Hell. That's what I will go to bat for. Like, I'm a Jason Goes to Hell apologist just because it reminded erotic shaving. It reminded me of the hidden erotic shaving. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you're right. Forgot about that. (laughs)
2: It, it was just so out of place. Like, why is Jason coming on to this guy and shaving him? It's so strange. It's like okay, why? all
0: right, I give you that. I give you that. I give you that. But uh
2: um, um, in the movie theater going, what the fuck is going on?
0: Um, before we wrap up, I asked you like two questions real quick, just because like you're you're so you know, uh the, the answer is not fire starter. Not fire starter, <laughs> exactly. And I love the original. I don't know if you love the original, oh, but like I fire... do. So- uh, avoid the new one like a scorching case of her. <laughs> no so it was like, um. so for, for for right now, just give me five horror movies that you feel are super underrated. Uh, current or of all time? Let's do all time. Like like if you're going to recommend five movies that you feel like fell through the crack to, to anyone listening.
2: Dead Silence. Okay. Uh, James Wan. James Wan, yeah. You know, he had all of this grandeur and all of the success with the conjuring movies. And it's well deserved. He's an incredible filmmaker. I mean, we wouldn't have Saw if it wasn't for James. But um Dead Silence was like his first foray into really supernatural filmmaking. And it just hits, man. It's like it's like sitting in a in a fucking roller coaster going through a, a haunt, you know? And I love Dead Silence. It, it's just the creepiest fucking character in Mary Shaw. They had the backstory, the mythology. I I don't think that movie gets nearly the respect that it deserves. Another movie that was really recent that just fucking blew me away is this werewolf movie called the cursed. Oh, okay. Played in theaters uh, a few months ago. And it was one of the few times I was sitting in a theater going, I don't deserve this. (laughs) Ha. Movies like this don't play in the theater anymore. That's awesome. It's it's like literally a fucking triple A fucking werewolf movie, man. Really, really good. It was like what Terrifier is to 80s slasher movies is what the curse is to Hammer Horror. Okay. It's that... That vibe, the misty fucking. And this, this is the shit that makes soul. you, you know, know. Yeah, that's what I'm
0: saying. I'm sold. Like this is. <laughs> I'm writing it soul. down. Actually, I want. I wanted to pick your brand. So, all right, give me three more.
2: Uh, another one, which is one of my favorites, that it was just. Um, I don't think enough people talk about it. Is a movie called Slacks.
0: As yeah, so- the, the oh, killer yes.
2: jeans. About the killer jeans, yeah, mm-hmm. dude. I had so much fucking fun watching that movie. Yep. It is just, it's so absurd because it didn't work, yet it's perfect in its absurdity. It's such a good little movie. I loved it. Um, another one that I think, I'm, I'm a huge sucker for shark movies. I love fucking shark movies. Ever since Jaws, you throw a shark in something, I'm guaranteed to sit there and watch it. And I loved 47 Meters Down, but- love, I, thought, I love that one. I thought the sequel- 47 meters down uncaged did you remember that one yep yep and all of a sudden they mix the descent with sharks mm-hmm. and there were these albino deformed fucking goblin looking sharks swimming around tearing these people up and i'm like this is fucking insanity and I, I i just recently re-watched that and i just had such a blast with it i'm like this is way better than i remembered it being yeah it's probably one of those things that kind of I don't know. It gets a little better as it goes on, you know. As it, it ages, it kind of finds its footing a little bit more.
0: I watched Forty Seven, uh, the first one, like maybe like a few years ago because I didn't really give a shit. And then when I saw it, I was like, okay, I'm wrong. This was good. And then I saw the sequel, mm-hmm. I was like, D- I, you know what it is. If like- you love shark flicks, you know what I
1: mean. And and I love shark flicks that I've waded through. I mean, I've seen so many bad ones that so show We all. I'm always looking for that one. And, like one when they happen, film. it's like yeah. I'm oh, yeah, what's tonight?
2: Shark bait. I have no uh. fucking idea what that is. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna watch it though, because it's a shark movie.
1: Yeah, man.
2: And my next pick is gonna be kind of sacrilege to a lot of people, but I, I do find merit in it. And I didn't for a very long time. I was very against this movie. And even when I saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, I fucking this is bullshit, blah blah blah. I kind of got to give it to the prequel of the thing. I thought, so. yeah, I'm with you. Really liked it. You know, I didn't like it when I seen it. And then as like, maybe it's because I've reconciled everything that's gone wrong with it. (laughs) So I could now appreciate it for what it was, but that happens. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when I watched that movie the last time, it's really interesting. I mean, there is one gigantic ass elephant in the room. And that's that they got into the minutia of what happened at this Norwegian camp, right down to you see where the ax is in the wall and you see the guy who cut his wrist and the blood froze and blah, 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 blah. But they ignore the major plot point of the Norwegians blowing the ship out of the ice, which you saw in John Carpenter's masterful movie, which to me is as close to a perfect movie as it gets. But ignoring that, it's like the perfect little prequel to, I mean, the effects are overly done in CG at times, but you know, there are some practical in there. There are interesting ideas. And I liked seeing what was, because the, the thing is one of my absolute favorite movies.
0: I, I think for both of us, for sure. I mean, it's just and, like, yeah. And that... I really come to appreciate what they did with the prequel.
2: And I, there's an excellent movie in there somewhere. Yeah. And it's definitely there. It's just, it, it, it was just, Horrendous studio tinkering, but I still appreciate it for what it was. And that ending, that ending start, was perfect. And they start playing the fucking original score, yeah. and the dogs run. Dog. Yeah. And then you just, I look at it like, I look at it as like the first and second act of a three act masterpiece. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's really good stuff. And a lot of people, they don't, they think I'm crazy, but you know, and plus Mary Elizabeth Winstead, hello. <laughs> Not too hard on the eyes hey <laughs> <laughs> so i mean she's a hall pass right uh, <laughs> i gotta
0: ask i don't know probably
2: <laughs> i mean you know, everyone
0: has one hall
2: pass so you know <laughs> um
0: all right so that's that's good on the underrated i like those and just like some modern day things that you saw because i know we both saw x and i fucking loved x good Uh, I would say the mortuary collection. Me too. I have, yo, I have that. So I wrote that down, but go ahead. Mortuary collection. As someone who's done a lot of anthologies and as a result,
2: I've seen a lot of other anthologies. um, People forget why anthologies work. And if you look at Creepshow, Creepshow is the perfect anthology. Creepshow is anthologies firing on all cylinders. And the only anthology, including the ones I've been part of that really worked for me and gave me that creep show kind of feeling was the Mortuary Collection of Clancy Brown. Clancy
0: Brown. Um, yeah. On Oh, shit,
2: right? So, I mean, just a perfect fucking, I, I just loved it. I, I loved everything about it. Another movie that totally blew me away was a movie called The Medium. It was on Shudder for a long time. What was it called? the medium
0: okay okay it's oh yeah yeah um yeah. uh
2: it's a take on possession that is just bat shit nuts and scary really really
0: good stuff uh off-season mickey keating's new movie great great movie i love that guy so that guy i never i didn't know much of him and then one day i stumbled across the core on okay. shutter and i was like this is the greatest late show, talk show format. Like it was like six episodes. And I think Danzig was the last one. I was like, how has not one person mentioned this show and how fucking like, it's just like Conan O'Brien, but like with horror, like. (laughs) And
2: I I think finally the last one I saw that really did it for me was I I just watched it. Like a I think it was last week. It was a movie called The Boy Behind the, the Door.
0: Saw it. Yeah, that was good.
2: Yep. Really good stuff. I mean, those two kids, man, they acted their asses off. Yeah. And it, it had some really interesting twists I didn't see coming, you know? And so did that movie, The Cellar. I think it was called The Cellar. Yes. yes. Had this weird, oh. demonic mathematical thing going on, man. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it oh. was good stuff.
0: Cool. Um, I just wanted to mortuary collection. Another one that I wanted to mention uh, was Nightmare Cinema, which I thought was amazing. That was a great, like Mick Garris is a fucking genius. Um, And one that you were in, Chillerama. I love Chillerama. and you miss it.
2: Um, I love Chillerama. I had on this elaborate makeup because I was supposed to be in the scene where the guy comes up to the window and slides his face down it. That was supposed to be me but uh it was filming went late as it does and uh i was standing there and i wasn't gonna be able to come back to the set and so joe lynch comes up to me and goes you know steve i got this idea how about how about we fuck you up the ass with a ripped off cock and you spit up demon semen <laughs> okay <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
2: So yeah, that, you know, blink and you miss it, but it's there. And yeah, I knew yeah. it was there and that makes me laugh every time I see it. I love Chillerama. I'm not a fan of Bears. Okay. I, I think that, that Chillerama would be way better without it.
0: Without it, yeah. More
2: yeah. to Tim. It just, it just, it wasn't as fun. And plus the musical aspect, I'm not big on musicals,
0: you know? Yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, it was, it, I love Chillerama. Chillerama is, is, Fucking Wadzilla is the fucking craziest. Was chick. that Rifkin? <laughs> yes. Because yeah. we're,
0: he's our next guest. Oh, Adam, tell him yes. I said hi. How was yeah. Adam's other thing, Look? Oh, okay. i You know, so Rob suggested I watch Look before we talk to him. Amazing. Yeah, I gotta got to watch it. Look up the TV
2: series, too. Okay. On Showtime, I played A Battered Husband.
0: Okay. Um, I guess that's it. And, and one more thing, uh shitting in John Carpenter's bathroom. Anything you want to say about that? It was wonderful, man. I was sitting there. I was just
2: looking around at the posters on the walls. I was like, wow, this I don't, I don't have much to fucking do other than this. Yeah, I mean that's my bucket list is over at that point,
0: right? You've you've said it all. You've Does he have a bidet.
2: No. <laughs> Really oh. disappointing. I love fucking. Okay. man. You it, listen, anyone who who fucking laughs at bidets has never had the pleasure of having their asshole holes down, man. I have one. We have one here. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Just yeah. Oh Shoot nothing but good things. Put it up, put it up to the fucking maximum velocity. That's great. Sometimes uh, you don't even shit. You just want to Yeah. excite
0: <laughs> listen, French, French toast, French fries, and bidets. I mean, the French, yeah, that's bless the them. That said so um steve thank you thank you good, so much good. for hanging thank out you, with man. us my pleasure guys. um you know i was really super looking forward to this after i met you at the coney island brewery you know john scandado shout out to break the apocalypse was like you got to talk to steve so and i loved the episode you did with him but thank you so much for hanging out with us thank you Amen. guys all See right soon. take care Later. bye Later.